December 12th is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, a huge feast for Latin Americans. This feast day was always a big one in my life, as my parish in Panama was called Our Lady of Guadalupe. I grew very familiar to the life-size statue of the Lady from Heaven with a cloak decorated with stars and standing over a half moon. Our church also has a huge stained glass window of Juan Diego collecting the flowers, which was a miracle considering there are no flowers in winter. But let me back up. In 1531, a lady from heaven appeared to a peasant by the name of Juan Diego just outside Mexico City. She said to him, Know for certain that I am the perfect and perpetual Virgin Mary, mother of the true God, and instructed him to have the bishop build a temple on that site. Juan Diego was not too sure about this, and Mary said to him, Don't be afraid. Am I not here? Am I not your mother? As proof of her apparition, she left an image of herself imprinted miracul miraculously on his tilma, or cloak. This poor quality cactus cloth should not have lasted 20 years, but shows no sign of decay almost 500 years later and still defies all scientific explanations of its origin. This single event was the defining one for Catholicism in Mexico and in Latin America. In less than 20 years, some 9 million Mexicans were converted to Christianity. Guadalupe is also the most popular Marian shrine in the world, with an estimated 10 million pilgrims visiting the basilica each year, and it is also the most visited Catholic church in the world next to the Vatican. So, on the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, let's celebrate the Church of Latin America, because Latin Americans have a mother, and she is the Mother of God, the Lady from Heaven, who came to a peasant looking very much like a peasant herself, speaking to him in his native language and giving him and his people hope. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today we will be we will be offering PR tips for church organizations with Danny Torquia. Uh, that's going to be in about 20 minutes. And Andrew Santos will be here again to introduce us to the Saint of the Week. And as always, Sheridan will be bringing us up to date with what's happening in dioceses across Canada. And Krista Matrenko is here with the headlines. Yes, well, Pedro, the Pope has some advice for Advent. And as well, uh, he made headlines this week for changing digital devices. He's using something new. Interesting. So mm -hmm. details of those stories are coming right up. But first, Chris, you are familiar with the Catholic Digest. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. It's it's the most popular and, I'd say, successful Catholic magazine in North America. And this year, I don't know if you know, but they're celebrating their 75th anniversary. Oh, wow. So they've been along for a long mm -hmm. time. And I'm very excited because I've been a subscriber for 20 years and I'm going to be speaking with Julie Ratti in our second half hour. She's the managing editor of the Catholic Digest. And also, Rosanna Reverso, who you also know who she is. She's uh, been one of our featured artists in the past. She has a new, uh, few new Christmas songs. It's not quite an album, but there are five songs that are available for download. Um, excellent, excellent production with these songs. She's our featured artist uh, this week. And so we're going to start with one of her new songs. This is her rendition of Adeste Fidelis.
Rosanna Reverso with Adeste Fidelis. We'll be speaking with Rosanna in our second half hour. And coming up is our Saint of the Week. But first, Chris is still here with our news. Well, Pedro, the Pope continues to prepare for Advent, to prepare for Christmas, and help us prepare as well. On Sunday, he said that it's important that we, ta- that we find time for self-contemplation and to carry out an honest assessment of our lives. He made the comments as he recited the Angelus. Now, also on the weekend, he experienced Advent in Bavaria. It wasn't an unscheduled trip, but a film that was shown in the Vatican. And as he arrived for the screening, he was greeted by a group of traditional Bavarian musicians. And he reflected on how the season is celebrated in his home in, B- in Bavaria. And he said that despite the consumerism that characterizes the Christmas season, the popular traditions of faith have not disappeared and create islands for the soul. So to use that analogy, Pedro, in Mm -hmm. this sea of Christmas, we've got to seek (laughs) out these islands. Now on Wednesday, the Pope lit the world's biggest Christmas tree. The tree is located in Giubbio, a medieval town just north of Rome. The tree is made up of an arrangement of colored lights that stretch up the side of the mountain. Now volunteers from the town set up the tree every year as a sign of peace and brotherhood among the peoples. It was a televised event, and from the Vatican, the Pope lit the tree using a tablet. It was a Sony tablet on the Android platform, and Catholic News Service commented that it was, well, quite Moses-like for him to be using a a tablet, but uh, another Catholic blogger said it was apostasy, because the Pope uh, before has used an iPad, and so it seems he switched over. In June, the Pope had used an iPad to launch news.va, the new news portal for the Vatican. Now, there is a Sony connection with the Vatican. Last year, Sony gave the Vatican uh, roughly uh, a 1 million euro discount on an HD TV mobile unit. So I'm wondering if that could be the connection of why he's now using yeah. Sony. Now, one more piece of Christmas news. Uh, this Christmas, the nativity scene in St. Peter's Square will be dedicated to Mary, the mother of God. It will be inaugurated on December 24th. Now, next to the manger scene are a number of buildings recreated in the architectural style of biblical Palestine. And figures in the grotto come from a, from a nativity scene from a 19th century Roman church. Uh, the Christmas tree is a spruce from Ukraine, and it's 30 meters high with a trunk of 56 centimeters in diameter, probably much bigger than your Christmas tree at home. Yes, a little and bit. And uh, it's more than 700 branches are decorated with 2,500 silver and gold-colored baubles illuminated by white and yellow lights. Imagine having to decorate that kind of tree. And it was a gift from the Republic of Ukraine, and uh, it's inaugurated on December the 16th in the presence of the bishops from Ukraine. Mm, Nice. Um, I was just going to say that the images of the tree that's on the side of the mountains are quite stunning. If people go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and they look for our Perspective Daily story from December the 6th, I believe you can see some images of that That's tree. Right. I don't know if the other tree, if we also have it on our site somewhere, Chris. Um, but they're, they're certainly worth looking at these images of this tree at the Vatican. And you'll um, be able to see them, if you watch Salt and Light, uh, throughout the Christmas season, um, anything from the Vatican, right. they right. will be showing that nativity That's scene. right, exactly. Um, so thank you very much, Krista Matrenko, our news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear you. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. 
You're listening to Soul to Mind Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And for all of you working for church groups, be sure to stay tuned because we're going to be giving you some PR tips. That's in about five minutes. But before that, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hi, Pedro. Good to see you as always. Yes. So who do we have for this week? Okay. Saint Lucy. Saint Lucy, Santa Lucia, December 13th. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Looking at St. Lucy's name, Lucy in itself, that name means light. Luce, that's right. And actually, the root of her name is lucid, which when you break it down, it means clear, it means radiant and understandable. Lucid, like me. I'm lucid most, most of the time I'm <laughs> yes, not. Yes, Pedro. All right. So unfortunately for us, uh, Lucy's history does not actually match her name. You know, when you think of um, something like light or clear, you think of something yeah. that's um, positive. Yeah, bright. But unfortunately, this some... story is not one that's positive. Darkness. Yeah, exactly. So um, all we really know for certain is that St. Lucy lost her life during the persecution of Christians uh, that took place in the early 4th century. Uh-huh. So because of that, um, and hearing about um, St. Lucy's story and the persecution that was going on, her veneration spread to Rome. Uh -huh. So by the 6th century, by the time that rolled around, the Universal Church recognized her courage in defense of the faith and decided to canonize her. Uh -huh. So let's dig a little deeper and yeah. look at the backstory. One legend that we know of tells us that the story of Lucy um, and how she wanted to vow and live her life in service to Christ in the church. Mm -hmm. Lucy's mother tried arranging a marriage for her with a pagan. So... Lucy knew that her mother would not be convinced by her vow to Christ. Then a plan was put into action. So uh -huh. Lucy um, had something figured out, and this is what happened. Okay. She planned to convince her mother that Jesus was her life, uh -huh. above and beyond anything else. So she decided to pray at the tomb of St. Agatha. She had a profound right. um, respect for St. Agatha. Mm -hmm. By praying at the tomb of St. Agatha, her mother's long illness was cured miraculously. Oh. So uh, her grateful mother was now ready to listen to Lucy's desire. Interesting. Yeah, to give her money to the poor and to commit her life to the service of God in the wow. church. Other stories also tell us how her would-be husband denounced her as a Christian okay. in front of the governor of Syracuse, which is in Sicily. Yeah. For some reason, miraculous as it is, the guards were unable to move her or burn her. The guards took out her eyes with a fork. Oh, That's not yes. something you want to visualize. But more to that, Lucy's other, um, other stories tell us that Lucy's would-be husband admired her eyes. So Lucy actually tore them out and gave them to him, saying, now let me live to God. Wow. St. Lucy is one of the very few saints, Pedro, that is celebrated by the Lutheran Church. Really? Yeah, among the Scandinavian peoples. Uh -huh, that's and right. um, for those uh, liturgy enthusiasts, uh, you'll know that St. Lucy is one of seven women, aside from our Blessed Mother Mary, who is mentioned by name in the Canon of the Mass. Interesting, yes. So, until the year 1861, her relics were venerated in a church that was dedicated to her in the city of Venice, again in Italy. Mm-hmm. But when the church was torn down, her relics were then transferred 
to the church of San Jeremia. And finally, um, as you mentioned at the, at the top of this, in the Universal Church, we celebrate St. Lucy's Feast Day on December the 13th. Yeah, you know, I spent uh, uh, six weeks one summer in Sweden, and yeah, I was very impressed that they, the Feast of St. Lucy is like this big feast in Sweden, and they have this thing when they process with mm -hmm. candles, uh, crowns made with candles. Yeah. And I, I didn't know where that where they came where yeah. that that tradition would have come from because she's an Italian saint. Yeah, well, Saint Lucy so, does have yeah. a profound impact on the Scandinavian yeah, community. It's so, true. for our listeners who are Scandinavian, yes, Saint Lucy is a great role model. Yes, Happy so. Feast of Saint Lucy. So that's December thirteenth. Thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. In about five minutes, what's happening across our country, so stay tuned. I am Ken Yuzinski of Face to Face Ministries, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny... How are you today? I'm very well. How are you, Pedro? So, Danny, last time we were talking about public relations, and yes. that is obviously your area of expertise. Um, a lot of church groups, um, I think they don't realize how important public relations can be. Can you maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges that a church group might have when it comes to doing PR? Well, the, f the first thing is that is the misunderstanding of the, of the profession. But the reality is that all around us, there are um, entities like media, like uh -huh. bloggers, like uh, associations that converse, that talk, that have a mandate to talk about things, uh -huh. that many of them are outside of the church, but we somehow feel like we're better off not engaging in conversations. Because it's like them against us kind of thing? Well, that, that would be a terrible f mentality. If you ever see that mentality, it's, it's not adequate. It's not efficient. So, for example, a lot of pro-life groups might be like, well, what's the point in letting uh, the, the, I don't know, Global Mail know about our March for Life because they're so anti-life anyway? That, is that a bad attitude? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have to build bridges. And if we don't, we are the ones that are remiss and that lose out. Okay, so just very basic, yeah. do church groups need to worry about publicity? Yes, church groups need to, and, and needs to realize that we want to have a voice in those dialogues, even if we know that we're going to get really lambasted or, or have, we're up for difficult conversations, where we might even be hurled you know, and thrown terrible things at us. Yes. It's better in media relations and in media training it is so much better to accept those interviews because even if they're going to you need one directionally na uh, nail you yeah you still have a, a, a one second soundbite a seven second soundbite ten second soundbite one statement that even, you can state if, your position even if they're going to spin it and make it look like oh well, it, 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 they're going to spin it no matter what yeah. if you're not there They'll have, a, they'll have a field day. Okay, so, so back up a little bit because I was going to ask you for some tips. So you've obviously given us one tip right now, which is engage secular media. You know, my major tip yeah. is to say yes to every single opportunity to speak, even if you're speaking with the devil, so to speak. Okay, but even before you setting. have the opportunity to speak, how do people <clears throat> even get there? Do okay. they be, need to be sending press releases? How, how do we... Well, that's a good point. The, the, the way to get there is to be patient and to stay the course uh -huh. because no one's going to give you a spot especially if they don't like what you're saying easily 
So how do you? But over time, they will. Because? Because at the end of the day, especially in journalism, there is ethics. Even if journalists are completely biased against you, uh -huh. there's this thing that's out there, consciousness to journalism. Sooner or later, they have to give a little bit of airtime, a little bit of ink to other voices, even if they hate you. So the more Sooner. you send them press releases, let them know about everything you're doing, some of it's got to stick. Sooner or later, someone is going to say, and whether it's a pseudo-ombudsman, whether it's a real ombudsman like at CBC, they have someone who stay, or an editorial person, or some con voice of consciousness, Somebody. Either not even if it's, it doesn't have to be religiously uh -huh. oriented consciousness, even if it's just professional conscience, Hey, let these guys speak. Hey, these guys are, you know... Because we should be showing all sides, kind of. Show, yeah, it's yeah. balanced journalism. So okay. stay the course, send out press releases, place phone calls, do it unemotionally as much as you can, do it factual, facts-based, right, show numbers. Not show, ideology. Not, no, because the reality is, if it's news for... If it's news, uh, your, our position on abortion, because it's news because this many people believe it's news. And what, just because you're the stakeholder of this media and you don't agree with us... 10,000, 10 million, 5 million Canadians think this way. Okay. Sooner or later, they will open up the media doors to us. Okay, so now briefly, because that is something that people can do without having any budget. They can just send just an time. email. Time. Just time. Um, can we spend the last 30 seconds that we have just talking about, so you have no budget. Do you dedicate a budget to PR? Um, do we even worry about making money? Uh, well, f first question is, there's, there's resources, there's volunteers, there's time. It's, a, it's only a function of time. So find someone who has the time. Okay. And then let's train them. Let them learn about PR theory. And then, yes, any, if you have any budget, go for it. Spend a little bit, see what comes out of it, but do not give up. Plan for, to do it for one or two or three years. Yeah. You know what? Maybe next time you come, we'll talk specifically about fundraising because uh, that should, we should dedicate at least the five minutes to fundraising. So thank you very much. I hope that this has been useful. Um, we're going to be doing this more often, kind of public relations tips, because we know that that's, a lot of you out there need this kind of help, and that's what Salt and Light does. Um, thank you very much. Danny Torquia is the Director of Marketing and Development for Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hi, Pedro. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the question of um, vocation. Oh. And a lot of attention is paid to discerning whether you're you know, called to religious life yeah. or whether you're called to marriage. But there's also the call to live the single life. And I think that's equally important to explore. Mm -hmm. uh, how can I live as a single person and at the same time witness to my faith? Yeah. So I thought I'd mention that in Saskatoon, there's a gathering to explore exactly this question, and it's entitled, Call to the Single Life. That's next Tuesday, December the 13th. And these gatherings are held about twice a month at the Catholic Pastoral Center. They're open to adults single Catholics who sense that call from God to live out the single life. Mm -hmm. And each evening includes uh, prayer and discussion, and uh, you can find out more at saskatoonrcdiocese.com. And speaking of uh, celebrating vocation, uh, in Vancouver, Monsignor Pedro Lopez Gallo is celebrating his 60th anniversary of wow, priesthood. Priest. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Um, there will be a special mass to honor him 
Uh, no tickets are required for the mass, but a banquet will follow at the Italian Cultural Center and reservations for dinner are $60 per mm -hmm. person. Great. So that's next week, Wednesday, December the 14th, uh, 5 p.m. at Holy Rosary Cathedral. And you can visit rcav.org for details. Mm -hmm. I've also been reading uh, this book called Extreme Makeover, yeah. Women Transformed by Christ, Not Conformed to the Culture, and it's by uh, Teresa Tomeo. And in it, she talks a lot about the influence of secular media and how it affects our self-esteem and just how damaging that can be, really. Mm -hmm. And in one chapter, she asks us to turn off and tune out of all of that negative media. Mm -hmm. And um, because she says that we find God in silence. And so by removing ourselves from that and taking time to remove ourselves from that, that we can start actually listening to what God wants to tell us. And... Um, She also talked a lot about the importance of reconciliation. And she said it's like when you go in for a facial, that you take your makeup off first, and then they give you the facial. So um, it's a great way to prepare your soul for the goodness of God to really transform you. And the best part, it's free and it lasts forever. So I just thought it was a kind of a cool... For, for women, it's important to, uh, to, to recognize and share, each, share with each other the stresses that come with... Um, with being a woman in our society. Right. And I think her link back to reconciliation and how important that is, is, um, is really meaningful. And I guess just because, you know, now we're preparing ourselves for Advent, how better to prepare our souls mm -hmm. than to go to reconciliation and uh, prepare our souls to receive Christ and, and to be in the right spirit for Christmas. Right. So um, in keeping with that, I thought that I would mention that in Manitoba, uh, the North and Central deaneries are inviting everyone to Advent celebration of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So they've made that connection. Mm -hmm. And that will be at 7 p.m. across the diocese. They've got tons of listings. Um, so you can check out archwinnipeg.ca to find out when and where. Very good. And I suspect... Actually, I'm pretty almost sure that reconciliation services are happening in all dioceses, yes. probably in most parishes across the country. So if, if you're not in Winnipeg and you're thinking, hmm, I really would like to get that facial, <laughs> um, you should... Uh, that soul facial. No, I, 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 I mean, I've never had one. So, But I, I like the idea that you know, if you have a facial without first removing your makeup, it's probably it's not... Yeah, not right. Not right. And it's hmm. the same idea of going to going to mass and not being reconciled. Interesting. Yet. I like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Hmm. A facial. I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much, Sheridan. Um, uh, again, uh, our, Sheridan is our diocesan uh, expert. She knows what's happening in all dioceses across the country. Um, and if you want to let us know what's happening in your diocese, just send us an email: radio at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up in our second half hour, we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Catholic Digest and a featured chat with Rosanna Reverso. So stay tuned.
Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. The Catholic Digest is the most popular Catholic magazine in North America. They've been in circulation since 1936 and they're great. I've been a subscriber for 20 years and I love how every story is meaningful, no matter what it's about, whether it's about a saint or someone doing missionary work or an article for divorced Catholics or single parents, a recipe, even the jokes. It's a great magazine and they've been bringing the church into people's homes now for 75 years, offering meaningful ways to connect faith with everyday life. And for a long time now, I've wanted to do something about the Catholic Digest and what a better opportunity than to celebrate their anniversary. And so I am now joined by managing editor, Julie Ratty. Julie, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much, Pedro. I'm very happy to be here. Yes. So if you can tell us briefly, how did the Catholic, 1936, how did the Catholic Digest get started? Well, the magazine was founded in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1936 by Father Louis Gale. Uh-huh. He's a diocesan priest who ran the local catechetical guild. And he had this idea for a magazine that would pull in the best articles from the Catholic press and other sources, all in one magazine. And so he really built the magazine completely from the ground up. He sent out a message about his idea to the 2,000 names he had on his list for the Catechetical Guild and said, what do you think of this idea? Would you subscribe? And he got a positive response, and so he recruited two fellow diocesan priests to run the magazine with him. And they started it right there from the ground up. And the magazine continued for many years in Minnesota until 2001. Uh And at that point, it was purchased by Bayard, which is an international publishing ministry of the Assumptionist Religious Order. And since then, we've been based out of Connecticut, and we're very happy to be celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. it's amazing. Now, I don't know what the climate in terms of the church in the United States would have been in in the 1930s, but it, it has changed. What sort of challenges are, is the, the Catholic Digest facing now um, with kind of getting out into, are you having a hard time finding new subscribers, or do you have that kind of reliable source of people who are, like me, your faithful subscribers? Well, we're certainly always very grateful for our loyal subscribers like you, Pedro, so we certainly do rely on them, but we can't rely completely on our loyal current subscribers. We always need to be reaching out to new people. Yeah. Uh, of all different generations, and that's certainly an ongoing challenge in the publishing industry for every publication, secular or religious, and certainly Catholics are no exception to that. So we're currently seeking new ways to do that, and in fact, uh, I have some exciting news to share, that for our March 2012 issue, we're actually doing a relaunch of Mm -hmm. the magazine. The magazine has changed a lot over the years, and we're continuing to find new ways to make it fresh and exciting. So we're going to be having a a slightly larger size, some new content, and we're actually going to have some new leadership with Danielle Bean, who's a well-known Catholic writer and editor, coming on as a new editor-in-chief for the magazine. So it's going to be lots of new things going on, and we're hoping that that will both be... uh, wonderful new things for our current subscribers and might also bring in some new readers as yeah, well no. or people who haven't looked at the Catholic Digest in many years and would love to take a look at what we're doing now. Yeah, that's great. And we're hoping that uh, just before that March issue, maybe we can have Danielle on this show and we can talk about uh, 
some of the specifics of that relaunch. Um, your online presence now, I presume, I was going to say it has changed since 1936, but <laughs> it wasn't there in 1936. Um, how much more of what you do now because of how media has changed is more online than it is, that it is uh, you know, about this little magazine that goes out? Well, it's certainly become more important. And even since I've come to the magazine nearly 10 years ago, I've certainly seen us grow and change a lot and add a lot more emphasis on the website. Mm -hmm. Certainly, we can't rely on people to come to the church or to come to our magazine. We need to be reaching out to them and yeah. find them where they are. And, of course, many of them are online. They're mm -hmm. on social networking. They're looking for the answers to questions about their faith on Google or other web sort, uh, websites. Yeah. So we really need to be out there um, as part of the new evangelization putting ourselves out there and making ourselves available for people who might be looking for the kinds of resources that we can offer. Yeah, no, and if I can just point out, it's an excellent website. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, no, it is. It's a great resource, catholicdigest.com. Um, now, you said you joined 10 years ago. Why, if I can say, you're not that old, what, what drew you to work for the Catholic Digest? Well, I've always been interested in writing, and my faith has always been a very important part of my life. I spent many years at Catholic school, and I grew up in a Catholic family where faith was an important part of life. And so I had actually seen an ad for Catholic Digest after graduating from college. There was an ad for an assistant editor, uh -huh. and the job looked like a lot of fun. It was a chance to do some writing, to do some editing, to try something new, and also to do something that would really make an impact and could really help people with their faith and also help me grow in mine as I worked on the magazine. So I joined the team in the fall of 2002 and I've been there ever since. It's yeah. been a wonderful experience. And you do wear, you do wear many hats. I, I know every once in a while I see, you know, Julie wrote this article. Um, you, you write a lot of the, some of the pilgrimage ones. So you've had a chance to travel. Um, you've had a, you, you write a lot of the ones, the articles that have to do with mission work or, or mission organizations and the work that they're doing overseas. What would be maybe one great story or feature that you've worked on that is like, wow, this is why I'm here? Oh, boy, it's hard to choose. There are so many. You know, but um, one of the stories that I did recently was actually about Brother Andre, yes. which I'm sure is very familiar to many of uh, yes, your I listeners know you came out to Montreal, there. Yes. And um, it was a really wonderful experience to go to the oratory and see how big an impact Brother Andre had, not only on the people who knew him in the past, and that legacy is still ongoing, but the people of the present, even people who never met him, yes. were so affected by his story and his humility and what a wonderful person he was. And to go to the oratory and, and see people coming there, To, to pray, to ask for healing, whether it's physical or emotional, and to talk to some of the people of the area, um, one of the people who actually helped guide us around during our visit, one of his relatives actually mm -hmm. had been healed through Brother Andre. And so it was really a wonderful way to get close to someone who was such a holy person, but also such a, a humble person, and to be able to then come back and share that with our readers and hear their response was really wonderful. Yeah. So there have been many great opportunities, and that was one recently that yeah. was really That's a great. good example. We worked on a film, uh, I don't know if you know about Brother Andre, and uh, similar experience. Everyone we met was like they knew somebody who knew somebody 
whose relative or someone had been healed or it, it's it's amazing how he was able to reach so many people in uh, in 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 his during his life um I, I, maybe as a last question if people are maybe struggling with you know why should i subscribe to this magazine or why should i get because there are other publications that are owned by by bayard um what would you say to them? How would you kind of recommend to them that they should have a look at Catholic Digest or any other Catholic magazine? Well, I think that one of the things that we stress and always have stressed here at Catholic Digest is that faith isn't just about going to church on Sunday. It's about every aspect of your life, from how you relate to your family, to how you cope at work, to how you interact with people in your community, to what kinds of media you take in and how you respond to it, how you engage with the culture out there. And all of these things are so tied up with our faith. And sometimes we, we want some encouragement or we want some help navigating all these things, and we want to learn more and grow more in our faith. You know, Catholicism is uniquely joyful, but it can also be uniquely challenging. And mm-hmm. we really want to be a supportive and encouraging community for Catholics, whether they're new to the faith, whether they've spent their credo Catholics, whether they're trying to learn more about the faith, struggling with their faith, no matter what place they're at, we really want to be a welcoming community for them to help mm-hmm. them find other people to talk to, to say, I've been there, uh, this is what's helped me. And so we really try to do that through stories and through how-to articles and yeah. the lighter side of our faith, too. So we try to provide resources and tools for Catholics to live out their faith in every aspect of their daily lives. Yeah. And we really feel that it can be a, a great resource to help people feel proud of their faith, to find joy in their faith, to grow in their faith and get closer to God, and to find a community to be part of. Yeah, you know what, it's so true. And can I just say, I, I, I seriously, I don't even know how I ended up subscribing to the Catholic Digest, but it's the only, and I've subscribed to other magazines in the past, but it's the only magazine that I actually read cover to cover and sometimes I'll see the title of an article and be like, eh, I'm not interested in that. And then I read the first paragraph and it's like, oh, and then I end up reading the whole thing. So whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because it's great. Um, if you haven't had the anniversary party yet, have a piece of cake for me. Um, Will do. Please, it, it's keep, keep it up um, and uh, stay in touch because uh, we're in this together. Great. And if uh, any of your listeners out there are interested, we're actually having a special Christmas sale right now for subscriptions. And readers can go to catholicdigest.com forward slash slash Christmas for a special price. Or they can call 1-800-678-2836. Okay, great. So that's a good, uh, good opportunity, Christmas, not just to get a subscription for yourself, but if you're wondering what to get that loved one in your you know, family or someone... Get them a gift subscription because I think you also get a discount for that. So thank you, Julie. It's been a great pleasure uh, meeting you and talking to you today. You too, Pedro. Thanks very much. Julie Raddy is the managing editor of the Catholic Digest. You can find out all that you need to know about them at catholicdigest.com. And again, that phone number, if you want to call for a subscription, is 800-678-2836. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Rosanna Reverso, with her song, The Gift of Christmas. Sweetest sin. 
of gingerbread, careless at the door. Time with family, the making of new memories. Children running joyfully to find the presents by the tree. That was Rosanna Reverso with her song, The Gift of Christmas. I met Rosanna Reverso a few years ago, and I have never stopped loving her voice. I expected her to have a classical sound, and she does, but it's also so much more. I don't even know. It's been described as multifaceted, but I don't even know if that's the right word. But as you've been hearing, there's certainly variety to her voice. And so it's not surprising that recently she was awarded Best Female Vocalist at the 2011 Hamilton Music Awards for her performance of Let There Be Peace on Earth, one of her own compositions from her, own, uh, from her Sacred Christian album, which also received two additional nominations for Best Religious Album of the Year 
and Best Pianist of the Year. Her original rendition of Ave Maria was also picked up recently by EMI Netherlands for their Romantic Voices compilation CD, putting Rosanna in the great company of international artists like Placido Domingo, Susan Boyle, and Sarah Brightman. And now, those of you that watch Salt and Light TV will have maybe seen Rosanna on her Peace concert that aired on Salt and Light TV around this time last year. And now, she has five new Christmas songs. We've heard two of them. And to tell us more, here now is Rosanna Reverso. Rosanna, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Hi, Pedro. Thanks for having me. Good. So, Christmas. What, tell me about these songs. Why, why Christmas? I love Christmas. I don't know who, who doesn't love Christmas. I've always... The Grinch. Um, I don't Christmas like Christmas. Has, you don't? No, I'm kidding. Sure, yes. Okay. <laughs> Christmas has always been um, my favorite time of year, and it's, been, it's actually been quite a few years now that a lot of, a lot of my family and a lot of uh, my fans have been, been coming up to me and, and you know, asking me to put a Christmas album out. Um, in fact, last year, I did uh, have a few Christmas concerts uh, in mm-hmm. some local parishes, we had some in, in Hamilton and, and some in Toronto again. And and at those concerts, once again, everyone was expecting to, to be able to, to purchase some Christmas music, and I just had never gotten around to it. So I thought right. that this year I'd finally um, finally do what uh, what everyone's been asking for, and I decided to go into the studio and to record a few of my favorites, uh, my favorite Christmas hymns, yeah. as well as um, I decided to, to write some of my own. Yeah, no, and, and there's some, some good... Well, we just heard um, your composition, A Gift of Christmas. So, and, um, but there's another song, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that you wrote when you were like 10 years old, and Hear Sweet Angels, that you are also either recording or you all recorded for this download. Yes, so that song has been recorded and is also available along with the other okay. four. And uh, that song's been a long time coming in terms of recording it. So you'd never, um, you had it's never recorded It's the very first song I ever wrote. Um, it started off just as an instrumental piece. So um, I took piano as a, as a child, and I put that um, music to piano when I was just about 10. And slowly, um, I, you know, I play it all the time and then eventually uh-huh. thought this would make for a good vocal piece. And uh, it was, uh, I think, you know, an autumn, uh, fall time, probably a few years later, and I knew Christmas was uh, soon approaching, and I was always singing every uh, Christmas Eve um, mass with my sister, who is the uh, uh, organist at St. Anthony of Padua Church in Hamilton. Yeah. And I thought, why not turn this song into a Christmas uh, song that we would be able to perform at, at Christmas Eve mass? And oh, so that's nice. what I did. Um, and we performed the whole family. It was uh, quite the um, partridge, uh, <laughs> partridge family <laughs> affair that uh, that year. We all sang. My my father, cousins, everyone, oh, and uh, we did that piece. But I finally decided to actually um, do it in the studio. And so, once again, like with the album, brought in some of the great uh, musicians that are featured on my Let There Be Peace album, and we performed this song. Yeah, good. So that's Hear Sweet Angels. Now, the song we just heard, which is also your composition, The Gift of Christmas, tell us about that. Well, you know, when I, uh, when I wrote this song, I really wanted to write something that um, was going to help in bringing Christ back to Christmas, because I just feel uh, in today's you know, day and age, we all uh, seem to, you know, even us Christians, seem to get a little caught up with the busyness of the holiday season, you know, we, we try to get people gifts, and, and we're busy shopping, and then we're busy, you know, preparing meals and decorating, and, and sometimes 
really um, leave aside the most important aspect of this um, of this holiday, which is which is Christ, and mm-hmm. that's the reason we celebrate. And so, this song is really all about what the the true gift of Christmas is, and that's the fact that God gave us His only Son and uh, and the birth of Christ. So, um, that's what that song was inspired um, for, and and why I wanted to put that song together. Do you find that? You just made me think because it seems sometimes that that Christmas is the only time of the year that we can actually sing about Christ and not be attacked by it. Do you know what I mean? You know, like this is a song uh, that's a Christian song that you've written Mm because it's about Christ that may get airplay on the radio because it's a Christmas song. Right. Do do you find that uh, hard for you as a, I mean, I know that you don't call yourself a Christian artist, but you are a Christian and you have a message to your music. Right. Um, I um well I do think it's it's disappointing that um you know mainstream radio will um will likely not pay, play any of my other songs but let's say on my let there be peace album yeah. um that are are very clearly about about Jesus about Christ about mm-hmm. my faith um but like you said you know maybe at this time of year I might have a better shot at the yeah. gift of Christmas getting played just because um because of it, because it being this time of year, um, you know, I, you know, you can be a pessimist, you can be an optimist, mm-hmm. thinking, uh, you know, upset about that, or trying to maybe use this as an opportunity, you know, knowing that that's the case, um, you know, try, maybe trying even that much harder to get that airplay to perhaps um, be able uh, to inspire others, inspire listeners. I mean, that's the reason why I do these songs is to be, um, you know, to be an instrument. God, to be a messenger for God, so that through my music, someone might um, find out about their faith, find out about Christ, yeah. and, um, you know, want to find out more. And so if if having even just airplay in a very small to- time of the year or a mm-hmm. short period of time during the year would allow that to happen, then I think that's great. You know what? No, that's a, I, I, I think that's a great opportunity. And sometimes people get all upset. It's like, why are we listening to Christmas music? It's not even December yet, but maybe that's the only time that they're going to hear that one song about Christ. And right. maybe that's okay. Um, and I'm one of those people that are putting on uh, <laughs> those uh, Christmas stations early on in November. You, yeah, I me love too. listening me too. to Christmas me too. music. Me too. I don't seem to get tired of it. No, and you know what? And they might play it only for that month, but they'll play it again next year and next year and next year. And if it was uh, some other type of hit that might own because of the fads, but Christmas songs will get played. So I hope that this one gets played. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about this project with Kickstarter that seems, I'm kind of intrigued by it, and that's something that's coming up for you, right? Yes, um, in, in probably just a few short months. Well, I was fortunate enough to um, to start working with a, uh, an artist development company out of the U.S., mm-hmm. and it was this company that introduced me to Kickstarter. Um, you know, being being an independent artist, it's it's really challenging to be able to um, to afford all of the costs that go along with um, putting out music and promoting and marketing your music. Mm -hmm. And so I I would have loved to have been able to release a full-length Christmas album this year, but I just, as I said, as an indie artist, I just really didn't have uh, the resources um, in order to be able to do this. But what Kickstarter is, um, it's a really neat um, 
online fundraising platform for any artist, whether you're a singer, whether you're a painter, whether you're a scientist who's come up with a really neat um, product. Right. Um, what it allows is for your fans or your customers to really um, place pre-orders on, on your product so that this way you get the funding beforehand okay. and um, are able to then complete the project and, and deliver, you know, the products to your fans. And so for, for my project, um, I really want to put out a full-length Christmas album next year. So this year we've got five digital downloads available through my website, yeah. um, but the plan is to have an actual full-length, you know, 12-song CD um, right. available next year. Uh, it's also go along with um, a, a tour in parts of Canada and the U.S., uh-huh. and um, what we'll be offering the fans will be really some really neat stuff. Like, obviously, the album itself would be one of the um, one of the orders that they could get yep. for their, their pledge donation, yep. but uh, we've got some really other cool experiences, like being able to... Um, to come to the photo shoot for the album oh, cover nice. yep. or the video shoot for uh, one of the music videos that we're going to be putting together. Yeah. Um, even a, a concert right in your own home <laughs> nice. is one of the things yeah, that we're planning cool. to offer to the fans. So I'm really excited about that. And if anyone who's listening um, would be you know, interested in getting involved in that project, just uh, you can go on my web- website right now and just sign up um, for my newsletter. And this way um, I'll be able to keep you in contact and in, the, in probably late January or February when we get uh, get that project going I can uh, I can contact you that way okay good so yeah and that's Rosanna reversal.com we're gonna put that link on our site as well so people can find you now just quickly because I know that you have some performances coming up uh, uh, in Niagara Falls well that's May I guess that's not coming up but if people are in the Niagara Falls area and they want to uh, listen to or watch Rosanna performing May 10th 11th and 12th um, you're going to be opening for uh, the Italian group Il Volo in Niagara Falls, and that information will also be on your website. Um, and the Hamilton Music Awards are going to be uh, on CHCH TV. That's a local Hamilton station. Um, so again, if you get that station, CHCH TV, on Saturday, December 10th at 7 p.m., you can watch the Hamilton Music Awards, and there will be Rosanna. Um, thank you, Rosanna, for what you do for this these new these five songs they're they're great great production as always um, well thank you and, Pedro and for having there. me on the show again it's always a pleasure yeah it's fun so um, we'll we'll stay in touch and have a, have a Merry Christmas you have a Merry Christmas too and Merry Christmas to everyone listening thank you very much you can find out more about Rosanna and about these new Christmas songs and all that she's doing and about the Kickstarter project at rosannareverso.com it's Rosanna with two N's RosannaReverso.com. As I said, we'll put that link on our site. Here now is Rosanna singing with Mark Masri. Uh, they're singing Stefan Mocchio's song, A Christmas Time with You. Never thought the winter'd come so quickly. Never thought you'd fade away. So fast People walking hand in hand Through the winter wonderland Makes me think of holidays for two I'm wishing you were with me through this cold 
hoping that of all my dreams, this one might come true. So I'm wishing for a Christmas time with you. Man's outside dropping off his letters. Christmas cards from everyone but you. Maybe it'll take a while to send your message across the miles, but the 24th is gonna be here soon. Wishing you were with me through this cold December. Still, I keep believing some things last forever. Hoping that of all my dreams, this one might come true. So I'm wishing for a Christmas time with you. Snowflakes through my window bring me light. So I'm wishing you were with me through this cold December. Wondering if you're thinking about our times together. Reminiscing yesterday. We're listening to Rosanna Reversal and Mark Masri singing A Christmas Time with You. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow us. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do this work without your support. And thank you for listening. Have a great third Sunday in Advent. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.